the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We have to realize and understand and embrace this fact that God loves us. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. For today's Core Truth, we start our study in John chapter 11 in a message titled, Delayed. Have you ever been delayed? According to the dictionary, to be delayed is to be postponed. It's to be made late. And I'm sure that's happened to each and every one of us, especially living here in Los Angeles. But it seems to happen to me all the time. I think a little more than most, especially when I fly. I remember this one time when I was flying to Australia. We had to change planes in Auckland, New Zealand. It was uh, uh, supposed to be, you know, a three-hour flight. But one hour into that flight, the flight attendant wasn't feeling well. And so they turned the plane around and flew back to Auckland. Now, I happened to be in the last seat of the plane, the last, the last row, I should say. And across from me was the not feeling well flight attendant. And I was just looking at her. And the whole time, she's just flipping through Vogue magazine, just you know, looking at it. I'm thinking, you look fine to me. It's like, and so we flew an hour back to Auckland, had to refuel. It took time to do that. And so that three-hour flight, now took six hours because of her. And that's not counting the 12 hours it took to get from LAX to Auckland in the first place. But no, I'm not bitter, really. (laughs) In fact, let's think happy thoughts, okay? And then there was the flight that me and my wife were catching out of Palm Springs. We were going to Washington, D.C. on our anniversary. And the plane was delayed because of thunder showers in Houston, Texas. Well, we had a changeover of planes there. Well, there was no way because of how late we were delayed that our connecting flight, we would catch it in Houston. So we canceled our trip and we just stayed in Palm Springs. Our anniversary, of course, is in August. So there's a reason why people don't vacation in Palm Springs in August. Every day, it was 123 degrees. Although it got much cooler at night, it was down to like, what, 108 at night. I remember at one point, my wife was content to stay in the room. I'm like, no, we're on our anniversary. I'm going out to the pool. So I remember laying out there at the pool. I'm like, "Ah, ah." (laughs) this is like, okay, this isn't vacation. This isn't fun. So I go, I'm going to go jump in the pool. Well, it's 123 degrees. I jumped in the pool. It's like jumping into a sauna. I'm like, okay, this isn't working for me. So anyway, so much for that. And then, of course, there's those frustrated passengers on, you know, the British Airlines flight when the pilot had to go over the loudspeaker and say, we're not able to land right now because the air traffic controller was on a T-brake 
So they had to circle for an additional half hour until he came off a break. I guess you could say those British love their tea. (laughs) Yes, there are many times in life that we can be delayed. And with all the traffic here in LA, we all know what that's like. But what do we do in those times in life when what we're praying for is now delayed? Maybe it's a hope or a dream. Maybe there is an issue that we need divine intervention on or God's green light of approval that we have been waiting for. Maybe it's like a crisis in your own family. Maybe there's a financial hardship that's hit us or some other misery that's been knocking on the door of our life that we're seeking a divine answer for because it's left us feeling empty. It's left us feeling powerless and alone. Well, whatever the case, understand, there are times in life when we're going to have delays. Times when we seem to be stuck in some strange kind of a holding pattern. When it seems like absolutely nothing is happening that things need to happen, but nothing is happening. It's when our prayers seem to have come to a complete standstill. Where it seems to be that no answers to our questions are coming to us anytime soon. And there's no answer to the pattern of madness that's surrounding us. Now, with that in mind, and being maybe even a little more specific, let me ask you here today. What do you do when your prayers seem to accomplish absolutely nothing? I'm talking about when the only thing that resonates with your prayers is gravity. Because all that seems to happen when you lift up your prayers is they seem to fall flat on the ground. When it leaves you wanting to ask God that little three-letter word, why? Why, God, have you not answered or delivered me from this hardship or this difficulty that I'm in? Why is this happening to me in the first place anyway? And why is it happening now of all times? Maybe it's been going on for a week, a month, a year, a decade even. And it seems like your prayers have been falling on deaf ears. And now you find yourself maybe even ready to give up. Maybe there's someone here today that knows exactly what I'm talking about. You've been battling with that hardship for quite some time, and now you feel like you're at the end of your rope, and you don't know which way to turn or what you're going to do next, as you feel like just throwing up your arms in total frustration. Some have even, you know, been questioning their faith or maybe even some would even say, I think I'm going to lose my faith over this thing. But that is not the answer. When we hit insurmountable walls, we need to cling to the God of mercy even more in that time. Even when there's nothing that's making any sense to us. We must trust him in spite of our negative circumstances that might be surrounding us. It was Margaret Clarkson that said this quote, The sovereignty of God is the one impregnable rock in which the suffering heart must cling to, in quotes. 
And in spite of whatever our emotions might be telling us, our feelings inside, you know, it's like the Bible says that God will never, ever, ever leave us or forsake us. We're told in Psalm 9, verses 10, it says, For thou, O Lord, hast not forsaken those who seek after you. Understand, when we have to walk through the fires of life, which some of you might be walking in right now, when we have to go through those overwhelming difficulties that make little to no sense whatsoever, when the spirit of doubt comes into our lives like a thief and he seizes our faith while consuming our strength. That's when it's critical for every true believer to stop looking at how horrible your circumstances are, to stop looking at how all those things in your life have turned into giant mountains of hardship and we are called to go immediately back to the things that we know to be true. And what's at the top of the list of the things that we know to be true? We have to cling to the word of God. We have to realize and understand and embrace this fact that God loves us, that he is a God of love. We know that he came to this world. We know that he sacrificed his own life on the cross to save us. We know that he did that to forgive us of our sin and to promise us an eternity with him in heaven. So, no matter how deep the wound may be, no matter how painful the hurt might be, no matter how broken our spirit is, we can never leave this fact. God truly loves us. And if we don't see anything happening around us, It doesn't mean that his love is diminished in any shape or form. He told us in Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That's a long love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. Now, with that as a backdrop, today as we continue our study through the gospel of John, we will consider three points in light of our title, Delayed. Number one, a purposed delay. God purposes delays in our life on purpose. Number two, a plan in motion. While he purposes a delay, there is a plan that he has that he's already put into motion. And number three, a secret revealed. So let's consider our first point, a purpose delay. As we read together, starting here in John chapter 11, we'll pick up, of course, in verse 1. It says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters, this is Mary and Martha, sent word to him, Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he, Lazarus, whom you love, is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, the sickness is not to the end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, He then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. 
Wow, this is uh, an interesting little event here. It's a, you could say it's an interesting portion of scripture. So let's think about these things because it's interesting on many different levels. For all of you Bible students out there, notice we're told in verse three and in verse five that Jesus loved Lazarus. Now, as you know, our Bibles have been translated into English from the original Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic manuscripts. So in the translation process, there are certain words that can lose their intended impact, like we find in our text today. Notice in verse 3, we're, we're told Jesus loved this man, Lazarus. Now, this was from the perspective of Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha. They said, he, Lazarus, their brother, whom you love, is sick. So in their perspective, they used the Greek word phileo for love. Now, phileo love could be defined as a very close family or friendship love. It's a love that many of us could share with each other for those that we're closest with. But yet notice in verse five, it says Jesus loved the entire family. Now this is Jesus's perspective of his love for Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. But the word that he used to describe his love for them is a different Greek word. It's the Greek word agape. This is the kind of love that is beyond human love. This is the love that God has for you and for me. It's a love that really transcends any and all human love. This word could be defined as an unconditional love love, a love really that transcends all condition, meaning if you're a good boy or you're a good girl, well, God loves you. But yet when we fail and we're at our worst and we stoop to doing that most vile and wretched thing, God still loves us. See, it's like, it's a love that's not based on condition. So in spite of us, he obviously still loves us. Now, those who have sinned before the Lord, we're still called to repent of our sin. But without question, when we are sorry of our sin, when we do ask God to forgiveness, when we do confess our sin, as he says in 1 John 1, 9, if you confess, that word confess just means if you agree with God, yes, God, I, I know what I did was wrong. It says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yes, God will forgive us and he will cleanse us and he will literally make us as if we've never sinned. And that's why he says in the book of Romans chapter eight, he says, he says you've been justified of your sin. That means that we're justified is really uh, it defined in the Bible as made just as if you've never sinned. So when you confess your sin before God, when you're willing to repent and turn away from that sin, God makes us as if we never did it. How cool is that? Only God can do that. Now, maybe some of us today only have a phileo love for Jesus. You know, Lord, I love you like a brother. Lord, Lord, I just, you know, I love you. And, and that's how, you know, Mary and Martha rolled it out. But know this, Jesus has an agape love for us, 
an unconditional love for us. Yes, Jesus was very close to this particular family. In fact, Jesus multiple times would find rest in their home. Imagine wherever Jesus was. Everybody wanted a piece of Jesus. It'd be the same thing today. Everybody, hey, I want to tell you my story. Could you touch me? Could you heal me? Could you do this? Can you? I mean, everyone wants a piece of Jesus. And so, I mean, he was just getting pulled on. And he, you know, look, that's why he came and he allowed it. And he loved the people and never turned the people away. But every now and then, a little rest is needed. And where did he find rest many times? It was at this family's home. You know, and if you remember, there was a time when he was resting. It's recorded in the Gospel of Luke. And he was recorded, you know, he's recorded as resting in their home. And this is when Martha was so frustrated with her sister Mary. Because why? Well, Martha is frustrated because she's working in the kitchen. Now imagine, ladies, Jesus comes over to your house for lunch. And there he is. He's in the living room. And you're in the kitchen like, what do I make? Uh, How about some deviled eggs? No, that's probably not good. Okay. Uh, You know, it's like, you know, so, you know, you're in there. You're making lunch. It's like, okay, we got the falafels going. We got this going. And every time she's going by the door of the kitchen, it's like, there's Mary sitting on her butt doing nothing. Now, how many of you have sisters? You know, it's like, what's she doing out there? It's like, I'm in here. I'm sweating. I don't know. I got stuff baking. I got this going. I got this going. And just Mary's in there. Oh, Jesus. So finally, going back and forth the doorway, she stops. She's like, Lord, could you tell my slack jaw sister? She probably didn't say slack jaw. I'm adding that. But it's like, could you tell my sister to get up and get in here? Could you tell her to come help me? But yet, look how Jesus responded to Martha. He says in Luke 10, 41, he's, he said, Martha, Martha. Because you can just see she's all frustrated. People get like that sometimes. Can't you see I'm serving the Lord here? Get out of my way. <laughs> it's kind of like we kind of lose the point a little, don't we? You know, it's like, look, we need servants here at the church. In fact, our children's ministries in need of some more servants right now because, you know, our children are being taught the word of God. You know, when your kids come out of that classroom with a colored picture, what is it a colored picture of? Is it Donald Duck? No, it's something to do with the Lord. They come out with a project. It's because there was a a meaning behind it. We have a gal in our first service named Lauren and her husband, Brian. They have three kids. And she was telling me how, you know, her son was like, Mom, have you ever heard of Acts? And her son's like, I don't know. I think he's like four, you know. And she's like, well, yes, you mean the book of Acts? Yes. And, And he goes, have you ever heard of Numbers 11? She goes, like Numbers chapter 11? She goes, yes. She goes, can we talk about that? <laughs> it's like, she's sure, <laughs> you know, but I mean, where is this getting stimulated? Where it's getting stimulated in our children's ministry because people are serving in there, but sometimes people get frustrated and they're just like, oh, you know, I'm just so busy serving. You know, it's like, look, we do all of this is under the Lord. What a joy it is to serve, you know, and what a joy it is when people take their time to, you know, come and, and give two services to core church, one for them to sit inside and one to serve in the children's ministry. Anyway, Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, you know, settle down here. You are worried and bothered about so many things, but only a few things are necessary, really only one. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. See, maybe it would have been better for Martha to have PB&Js for lunch and to sit at the Lord's feet than to make an extravagant meal and to be frustrated. You know, so maybe that has something to do with it. So Jesus said, Mary has chosen 
the good parts. Now, in the original language, this is a Hebrew word that means pleasant and joyful. See, Mary has picked the pleasant and joyful parts. See, Mary was gratifying her real need inside. That was her soul. I wonder how many of us are not embracing the good part. We're not embracing that by developing our relationship with Christ, by taking time to sit with the Lord. And because of that, we're left trying to satisfy ourselves because we didn't reach out for the good part. We didn't reach out to have that pleasant and joyful time with the Lord. Now we're left to satisfy ourselves with so many other things in this life that are outside of Jesus. How long before we realize that only the Lord can truly satisfy our soul and what our soul really craves inside? Yes, I'm sure that many of us have found ourselves in the very same place that Martha was at, working and serving the Lord, yet finding ourselves frustrated at the same time. We can be bothered and distracted by so many things in this life, and we forget that the most important things in life for each and every one of us is to take time to sit with the Lord as we read and meditate his word every single day, as we pray and we talk to him every single day. It's amazing to me when I listen to a seasoned man of God like the late Reverend Billy Graham in one of his latter interviews before he passed away, he was asked if he would do anything different now than he did when he was younger. And he said, without hesitation, I would pray twice as much. Interesting. I would talk with God more. I would talk with him more about what I was doing and where I was going and what he wanted me to do. Know this, prayer is not just a time to bring our personal laundry list of personal desires to the Lord. Well, Lord, you know, I, I really need this and this and, well, this would be nice. And you know, a little bit more of that would, would work, you know, all of these things that we do. It's like trying to convince God of what we want and what we desire in this life that what we think is going to make us happy. But rather, prayer is communicating with God. It's really seeking his will and his purpose for our lives and then allowing it to actually happen, like seeking his will and then actually doing his will. Imagine that. Remember, God's plan and God's purpose for us is far greater than our own plans and purposes that we have for each other. The Bible says in Psalm 143.10, he says, teach me to do your will. For you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Don't we need the good spirit of the Lord to lead us on level ground in this life that's filled with ups and downs? Don't we need to have the level ground? Notice he says, Lord, lead me to your will. See, our prayer life shouldn't be, oh God, you know, I want to do this and I want to do this and Lord, open this door and Lord, do that and do this. It should be, Lord, what is your will for me? What would you have me to do? Lord, what is your perfect desire for me? This 
is the way that Jesus lived his life. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 7, Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. Who is that? Was Jesus to do your will, O God. He was a living example. Not only was he God, but how to submit to God. I came in the scroll of the book. It is written of me, but I came to do your will. We should have that same desire. Yes, Jesus loved this family of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. In verse 3, this urgent message is relayed to Jesus. You got to come. He's sick, the one that you love. Yet Jesus does the strangest thing here. In verse 6, he stayed for two more days. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, he's sick. Yeah, like I think he's going to die. He's not going to make it. Really? Okay. I'll see you later. I'll see you in a few days. <laughs> it's like, what, what, what is that about? That's all the time we have for our message. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word. That's Core Church LA to seven seven nine seven seven. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.